Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Joe Hoft on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome to the Joe Hoff Show. We're glad you're here. As always, it's Tuesday, uh, January 23rd here in the U.S. Appreciate you being here. Lots going on. We've got an incredible show lined up for you again. Today we have General Flynn joining us. A lot of talk about General Flynn being Vice President of the United States under President Trump. A lot of talk and makes a lot of sense. So we've got the one and only... Uh, perhaps future Vice President of the United States here with us on this show here in moments uh, after the first break. So hold tight. Lots to talk over with him with this madness of the Biden regime, uh, the open border, the, the frightening situation abroad. World War III seems to be, you know, facing us every day and uh, the destruction of America for sure. It's just been, excuse me, it's just been horrific what we've seen over this last uh, three, three and a half years. Horrific. Starts with Obama, flows uh, through President Trump's campaign. He never, think about it, President Trump's administration, he never really was in uh, in charge there. The, the deep state ran the DOJ and many, many organizations after Obama came in. Obama was was really, to me, uh, the uh, the evil one, the evil one. If there's uh, opinion, if there's anybody out there uh, that's alive today that would uh, fit the, uh, the, the bill for the Antichrist, it's Barack Obama. I'm just saying it. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. If you don't agree, that's fine. That guy is a monster, and he could do no wrong. Remember, he came in. Nobody would criticize this guy. Horrible policies. America destroying policies. Our healthcare system is a mess. And that was one of the first things Obama came in and did was destroy the U.S. healthcare system. And the problem is that in the in the past, I, I tell you what, I had great healthcare. I paid a premium every every. Um, you know, every year there was some sort of healthcare situation going on. It paid about everything. I think I went in for some major surgery once. Uh, after a long flight overseas, I'd gotten a blood clot and it went to my lung. I had lung surgery. That thing cost me all of like a couple hundred bucks. Our insurance was fantastic. It was great. The doctors were great. You could get in, you could see them. Uh, I went overseas for a decade nearly in Hong Kong. The healthcare there was great, it's free. It's uh, the, the public health care is free. There's also private health care. The private health care is for those uh, things that you want to take care of right now. Or you'd rather go to a public or to a private hospital. That's fine. That was your choice. Public hospitals were fine. They were great. But uh, I tell you what, it, so that that was really amazing over there. They they take their money. They don't they don't shove it into government programs like Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security and all this, uh, you know, crazy stuff. They don't mess with uh, the government telling uh, providers how much you can and, uh, uh how much things can cost, how much you can charge your patients for various procedures. Obama blew that out of the water. It's just the healthcare. Now I come back after uh, nine years abroad. I'm like, what is going on here? I had a back problem a couple of years ago and tremendous pain. Couldn't even make it to the uh, a doctor for a month. Couldn't uh, the, the meds that were prescribed online were 
worthless. They didn't work. I was in tremendous pain. Finally, go see my doctor. Uh, she me up with a specialist, which was another month down the road. I'm in tremendous pain. Nothing's helping. They sent me to uh, some sort of rehabilitation place. Build me. It was. I was in so much pain when I was going through this. This is like crazy. What are you people doing to me? I'm in pain. In 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 Hong Kong, I could go see my doctor. Go get a an X-ray that day, and and in in no time be dealt with. Over here, it's now two months. Finally, see a doctor. He prescribes some uh, a remedy. Have to do that twice. Still wasn't fully. Uh, fully really in shape I, I actually went to the uh to st louis at that time and eric naputi who's been on the show he uh stepped in and hit and uh, he's a chiropractor has chiropractic uh services in the st louis area they fixed me they fixed me i haven't had a problem since but what a mess healthcare has become it's just a mess it's ex tremendously expensive and tremendously inefficient and that's that we can thank barack obama for that he did that he destroyed the doj our justice system we've got judges that aren't judges they're 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 monsters uh all over the all over the country especially in dc obama took over that dc court because he knew how important it was and and, the, and now you can't even get a fair trial there if you're 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 a dead man you're a dead man walking if you're a january 6th person if you're rudy giuliani if you're anybody president trump going to court there with an absolutely corrupt judge in in uh, dc who's a who's overseeing this case, Chutkin, her husband, and her were both Obama appointees. She's a miserable communist snake, in my opinion. She's nasty. She won't recuse herself. She said terrible things about Trump in the past, has said terrible things about these January Sixers that she's thrown in prison for years for walking through the Capitol. She is a monster. And, uh, and, but Trump's in D.C., so he's not going to get a fair shake. Don't don't ever think he's going to get a fair shake. And quite frankly, I got to tell you, the disappointment in the uh, in the Supreme Court yesterday, they ruled that it's fair for the uh, federal government to come in and take the barbed wire out of the Rio Grande that that uh, Texas is putting in there to prevent the invasion of these um, uh, illegals into the country. Amy Comey uh, Bryan, I think that's how you say her name. She voted along with the Dems as well as Roberts. These people, that's that's disgusting. Where is your where is your sense of morals and what is right and wrong? Of course, Texas should be able to protect its border. Nonsense to say that the federal government trumps the state. The federal government is not protecting this country. Biden is not protecting this country. It's a mess. There was a video of a guy over the weekend. He looks like he's Middle Eastern. They asked this guy asked him a question. He goes, you, you will know me soon. You will know me soon. He promises this guy asking him, you will know me soon. You're like, what is going on? Who is this guy? Why is he coming into our country? It's it, Who is letting this person into our country? Why is he not vetted? He is basically, in essence, ensuring that we're going to know his name soon, Not and, and not indicating that it's through some great new invention that he's going to bring to to the plate no that guy was a monster we all know it and that's why it went viral across the social media who is this guy and these are the kind of people that biden is allowing to walk into this country today i'm telling you what and they're sitting back they're sitting back and I, if president trump when he wins if we can overcome this tremendous fraud in our elections 
these people are going to get set loose. They're holding off. They're waiting for the right moment. And they're going to make this country a living hell, maybe before the election. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to ask General Flynn his thoughts on this because it's frightening what's going on. It's frightening. And we've got these monsters crossing the border. We've got a justice system that's absolutely broken. I tell you, General Flynn knows better than anybody. If you followed his case back in 2017, 18, 19, General Flynn was convicted of a crime. They said he lied to some, to, uh, to I, I believe his lie was to the FBI. And they set him up and Mike Pence and and Rince Priebus were in the White House, and they stood there with President Trump and said, "Yeah, you gotta let you gotta get, let Flynn go." Obama did not want Flynn in Trump's White House. It's very very clear. It's very clear. And so what they did is they targeted him. As a matter of fact, there's meeting minutes from a January sixth meeting in twenty. 20- uh, 17. So right after Trump won the election, before he's been inaugurated, there's a meeting. And one of the topics in that meeting is General Flynn. And it was with Comey and Biden and Obama and all these monsters in the DOJ and deep state. And these people, they even wrote a notes later saying everything was by the book. Susan Rice writes that the day of the inauguration, we had this meeting, everything was by the book. What an admission of guilt. These guys are monsters. And what we found out is there was all a setup. Obama, Biden, they were in on it months before. They're going to set up Trump. And then when Trump won and shocked them all, then they're going to destroy his administration. They're going to get him gone. And James Comey, that one of the biggest really pigs in this entire operation, was there. I mean, play, and he, they called him Cardinal Comey because he walked with his hands at his at his chest, like it, like he felt like he was some priest as he walked. What an idiot! What an imbecile! What a monster! What a what a snake! Here he was behind the scenes attempting to remove the president of the United States in an illegal coup d'état, and that's what happened. And Flynn was part of it. They get Flynn. They they forced him into a uh, to saying um, that he did that he lied. And they did this by saying, if you don't, then we're going after your son. And his son just had a baby. And so Flynn was put in this situation like Barack Monster O'Biden and and, and this corrupt DOJ. And they're saying to him, hey, you either choose your son or your country. What a hell of a position for him to be in. And it was all based on a lie. So then they convict him and goes to court. Horrible attorneys. We talked about this last time he was on my show horrible attorneys so they come in they don't help him he trusts his gut he told me with his wife they decided we got to get new attorneys they bring in Sidney Powell she asked for all this information the DOJ won't give it to her to this day they won't give her all the information she asked for but Bill Barr came in and had the case sent to St. Louis to another prosecutor to look over who said within a couple months no this case needs to be dropped by the DOJ and uh, because there was no apparently no evidence or it was a setup. We don't know because we can't get all that information. So but the good thing was the, F, the DOJ, this corrupt DOJ got caught by Sidney Paul. And they say, OK, let's drop it. They go to court. And what happens? But the corrupt judge, corrupt Judge Sullivan says, no, I'm not going to drop it, even though both sides, <laughs> parties, the DOJ and Flynn's team want to drop this case. 
Not not according to the judge. No, he's God, he thinks. He's really the devil, but he's God. And he's trying to say, okay, uh, I'm going to keep this. And then he brings in his own special assistant, whatever he called it, unprecedented in U.S. history. And Flynn's team's like, what's going on here? The guy that he brought in is a monster from New York who's tied to Andrew Weissman, who was behind the whole Mueller gang. These guys go back years together. This guy's now a judge, Gleason. That's who Sullivan brings in. It's a sham. It's a setup. It's more of the same monsters just trying to get Flynn. They won't drop the case. The DOJ and the Flynn's team want the case dropped, and the judge won't do it, and he brings in another monster to help support him in this effort. It's unbelievable. I remember listening to one of the uh, one of the meetings with with the uh, they had to appeal up to again a bunch of Obama judges. They're asking Sidney Powell questions. She goes, well, "I don't know the answer to that because this is unprecedented. It's never happened before in U.S. history." So this is the stuff Flynn went through. A good man. Eventually, Trump pardoned him, and that's exactly what they wanted to happen because they were caught and they wanted to 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 slander Trump and say, "See," and Flynn to say, "See, he was guilty. He had to be pardoned." Trump pardoned him because he had, you know, he had stuff for Trump. He's that blah, 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 blah. All these lefties are so nasty, lying, disgusting. So anyways, that's where we're at. And there's a chance that Mr. and General Mike Flynn might be vice president. How about that? How about that? Think about that. These monsters need to be taken care of. They need to be, they need to be addressed as they should. This was a coup d'etat. These people need to be arrested. They need to be arraigned. They need to be indicted. They need to be brought to justice. All these monsters, from Comey to Weissman, all of them, Obama, Biden, Hillary, all these people, we need to get this fixed. Anyways, lots going on. Lots to talk about with General Flynn, perhaps the next vice president of the United States. We've got him here right after this break. So hold tight. We'll be right back on the Joe Hoff Show. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid. And we would say that this is probably, in terms of conflicts, uh, this many journalists have been lost, uh, killed, injured, in the whole of the Second World War, and that lasted uh, a number of years. And only in the last three months are we scraping 100 on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list, which is coming fast and furious out of Gaza. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT. Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, 
or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com We don't rock. rock. We talk. talk. Today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Hey, this is Joe Hoff. We're back on the Joe Hoff Show with the uh, one and only uh, and perhaps future Vice President of the United States, General Mike Flynn. <laughs> so, General, welcome, welcome to the Joe Hoff Show. Hey, Joe. Yeah, thank you. And and uh, thanks for having me back on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, the lots of lots of rumors going on. We'll, we'll uh, maybe uh, address that here in a bit. But I tell you what, America is a mess, isn't it? And uh, we've got the southern I mean, border. It really, got overseas. it really, really is. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, one of the big trends right now, of course, is the is the uh, the decision that the Supreme Court had yesterday. Of course, that's a big deal. Uh, because the border is is a disaster it's a it's a it is a, it's an invasion to and i've said very clearly that it's intentionally being done to destroy the fabric of our uh republic but uh the decision yesterday by the supreme court you know people need to understand that um that it is only a decision pending a another decision now the the justices could have voted to just keep everything in place until they made a decision. They obviously did not. They said, no, the federal government has the authority to be able to remove that, you know, that concertina wire and all that. And, and I, I have not had a chance to read the decision. I will read the decision today. Um, but I do think that, I think that the, the 10th Amendment, and frankly, if you look at the, you know, this really goes back to the Federalist Papers. If you really look hard at state sovereign rights, um, the Federalist Papers really, and, and a lot of a lot of case law actually does return uh, judges back to those uh, those writings because because it's very um, you know the Constitution purposely I think is inarticulate in some areas and and this is one of the areas and and so you got to go back and you got to dig, dig up case law and I'm not a lawyer I'm just giving you my my sort of historical sense of things but. But uh, I, I think that the Federalist Papers, from my read of the Federalist Papers, and I forget which one. It might be like fifty nine or something like that. But but it's you know there are there are there are issues in there that talk to states' rights and and the ability for states to be able to protect their own sovereign 
borders to protect their safety and security of their citizens. So, you know, this is one of these times where uh, I watched, you know, I, uh, something that the, that the Attorney General Ken Paxton did, who I'm a big fan of. And, but I, I also do believe that in a way, we, we want to, Americans want to blame everybody, right? Right now. I mean, I say this in general, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, being, uh, I'll be a little bit more specific, but we tend to say that, you know, the Supreme Court, the judges, the, you know, the left, the right. I mean, we have a responsibility as citizens in this country to engage. And I do strongly believe that we have allowed our government and those that we have elected for many, many years, not just in the last, you know, since 2020, but we have elected for many years politicians who have basically taken advantage because of the of what they've been given, which is a lot of time in, in political office. And that's the one thing that our founders never really wanted. They never really thought that we'd have this long in the tooth political class, because what happens is, is people uh, get corrupted. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a big statement, but it's kind of where we are. We see it. Uh, my surprise, Joe, and for the audience, my surprise is the, the judiciary is an area where I really do believe, and I still believe that we have a lot of good judges and we have a lot of judges at different levels that are going to make the right decisions based on the law. The obviously judges get picked and, you know, and there's always the, well, he's, he's the, he was picked by uh, Bush or he was picked by Obama or he was picked by Trump or whatever, or she was picked by whatever. It, so there's a lot of that, but I do think that at the end of the day, our judiciary is supposed to be, you know, kind of the, 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 the referee on the football field, right? Cause we're still in football season here. But the other thing that matters is that this is where the power of the legislature matters because the legislature can do certain things like the legislature is so actually has a, a power of the purse, as we say, and they are able to then go and say to, you know, the, the federal government, look, we're not going to fund this anymore. We are no longer going to fund these activities. And that's where when when the when the judiciary kind of feels like, you know, like we feel like it goes astray. Well, this is where the power of the purse matters and the and the and the legislative branch matters. And that's a, that's kind of the constitutional process that we're supposed to have. But yet we have this we have this like, I don't know, this sense that it's like somebody else's problem. This is our problem because we have created this over many, many years. And again, not just in the last three. We have created this because we've allowed ourselves to get complacent and, and lazy. And one of the things that I'm paying very close attention to, and I have done a little bit of analysis on this, I'm not an expert on it, but I've looked at voter turnout in, in various uh, elections. And the voter turnout in our country is not good. In fact, it's poor. Uh, we have voter turnout in primaries. We, we have voter turnout in, uh, in uh, off-cycle presidential years. So like 2022 is an example, a recent example, or 2023. Uh, and those, those, you know, the turnout is like, 35 to 40% turnout, right? I mean, we had a we had an election here in one of the uh local like one of the state level elections here in Florida. The voter turnout was 7%. 7%. Just so happened that a Republican won, but it, it just you know, there's an there's an apathy that has that that has seeped into the uh American, you know, sort of psyche and our attitude about everything dealing with politics. And a lot of people just say, oh, I'm going to turn it off when, in fact, we cannot because 
if we turn off politics, and like I say, the the uh, price of a loaf of bread has everything to do with politics. If we turn off politics, we are going to lose this country. And even even presidential elections like 2020 is a good example. I think the 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 total turnout for all registered voters who could vote, the turnout was around 69 percent when uh, Trump ran against Biden. Now, that's a pretty high number, actually. You know, normally it's a little bit lower than that. Normally it's around it averages around 65 percent. So 69 percent. And I, I always I always, you know, when I talk to an audience, I always ask if there are any teachers out there. You know, I mean, you know, Joe, would you would you like to get a 69 on a grade on a, on a test, you know, to, on a test grade in some in college or high school? No, it's a D. So we're, we give ourselves we and, and it's just again, it's sort of like I want us to make sure that we understand where to focus our energy and we've got to focus our energy on being good citizens. One of the things about being a good citizen is to exercise the right that we have to vote and get other people to vote. And when somebody tells you that, well, I don't do that political thing, they're all crooked, you know, then you tell them right away, well, then you're, you have no, uh, you have no right really to speak out. I mean, maybe you still do because you have the first amendment, but you, but you, but your voice will not be will not resonate. Your voice will not resonate other than just being described or, or defined as a complainer. If I get out and I vote and I exercise my vote and I try to get others to vote, I try to get others to register to vote, to vote for things that are that are fundamentally American values, right? Fundamentally American values that are that are constitutional principles, you know, are the principles found in our in all the documents that have created this country. And frankly, you know, what we just know to be good and true and just honestly, good common sense, then, then uh, you know, and we don't win the day because we just, you know, because there's just more people that are from this sort of very progressive left, which, which really means socialist and Marxist, um, you know, then, then, you know, then we, then we have what we have. And, and uh, that's why I say we, we as citizens have to start to really understand what we are up against. And what we are up against is we are up against a shift, a major tectonic shift in American politics. And that shift is moving us rapidly because of those that are in charge of the levers of power and in, and in the institutions of, of, uh, of government and those institutions that surround government, we are uh, up against a, uh, a shift towards a socialist system of government. And I've said this, you know, that, that you know, there are people that would, that would just love to say that we're the United Socialist States of America, just like you know that that the USSR used to be right the the, the Soviet Republic right I mean the, I can see that in this country if we don't take back the power and that power that we're taking back is the power that we the people have not the you know not those that that are sitting in on high in uh, in offices and and particularly bureaucrats that are unelected and let me jump let me jump to one other thing while I. Are you allowing me here on on this platform there are there are globalist institutions that are unelected so world health organization which we all know about now because of the covid world trade organization the world bank the international monetary fund you know the european union i mean those are just those are globalist institutions that are unelected they are they are they are really private organizations and they're they're like boards of directors for this for this globalist corporate uh, uh, cor corporatocracy, they call it, but it's this corporate, um, 
domain that they want to have running the world. And none of these people are elected. We didn't appoint the World Health Organization uh, in there. We didn't elect them in there to tell us that we're going to have a global vaccination ID card. And if I don't have the if I don't have this vaccine or that vaccine, I'm not going to be able to to get health care. I mean, what? I mean, you know, so so we don't know the total consequences of what it are, you know, what will take place here in the coming months. But I'm going to tell you, if we don't get more people to stand up and speak up and speak their minds to the currently the local elected officials that we do have, you know, congressmen and, and such, then then uh, we can't complain. We just can't complain. And I know that there are people, there's a lot of grassroots activists, and you and I have met many of them, uh, that are out there doing, you know, yeoman's work, doing great, great work. I mean, there's people working in the election integrity side. There's people working on the on the health side. There's people working in the lawfare air arena to, to, to try to beat back some of these, these uh, legal cases to, sh to shut our voices down. So there's a lot of good work being done out there. And what I would encourage people to do is to go find those organizations in your area, check out whether, you know, check out who the leaders are, check out their levels of effectiveness, and then get involved with them. You know, you have to, we have to get involved now because we have, I don't know how many days left. You know, this is a, this is the leap year. So this is a year where you have 365 days and not 360 or 366 days and not 365. So we're probably around 300 days left or so to uh, November 5th. So, I mean, you know, take some time to get involved, spend a little bit of extra time uh, of your, uh, I know what people have busy days, all of us do, but, um, and it can be exhausting and it requires sacrifice, but to get to that, to get to that sort of, that light that's out there at the end of this, at the end of this uh, dark valley that we seem to be in, to get there, it's not going to be handed to us. We have to, we have to sacrifice, we have to demonstrate a level of discipline. We've got to be, per we've got to persevere to get there, but we can get to that light. And if once we get to that light, believe me, you're going to know again, how, how great this country is. And with the right leadership, we can, we can return to a, a place that, uh, that we are proud of that, that the world sees as a, as an international leader, maybe, you know, as the international leader. And we can also benefit from uh, from you know a lot of other things like we can benefit from a good strong economy we can benefit from a from a military that actually understands about you know military readiness and training and preparedness and the ability to go and fight and win you know keyword win we can look at our our uh, you know we, we will probably see the overreaching regulatory burdens that we have from the federal level you know eliminated or certainly reduced so so people at the local level and state level can do their can can function. So small businesses can thrive again in this country. You know a lot about small businesses and creating new things. You've done you've done amazing jobs with that over the years. In order for us to thrive as a nation, we have got to resurrect the middle class. And the middle class does feel under assault. So I mean, those are a few opening remarks. Just a couple. <laughs> That's fantastic. Great stuff. I'm so uh, 
that's so much to talk about there. You just nailed yeah. it all right, right there. The uh, I was going to mention a couple things. One is I, I started a group not long ago, as you're well, uh, well aware of, and, and our op- our operation and looking at the 2020 election was let's focus on this like we would a corporation, and let's look at controls and processes and and basically what's going on. We came out with a piece yesterday. It was up at the Gateway Pundit and at JoeHoff.com, and and the whole piece is this: we we went through an inventory of all the activities in an election process. We identified 520 activities, broke it down into sub-processes and then process. So process to sub-process to the controls that are involved in those. And we're finding we find out that only per our analysis, only one third of all the controls that need to be in place are actually in place in our election process. And it's shocking because from the corporate perspective, where I used to be an audit executive in Hong Kong, I used to oversee uh, the financial report yeah. on billion-dollar entities. This stuff had to be perfect in order to issue our financials. The external auditors would not sign off on your on your yeah. numbers if you didn't have every single control in place. And yet we're lacking, you know, per our estimate you know two-thirds of the controls aren't in place so it's a shocking admission of where we're at right now in our election process and i and i i believe it's one of the biggest reports to come out really since the election this is where it's at we've got to fix this process as well you're absolutely right we've got to get out and vote and and do yeah. something and not just bitch but uh but our processes need a lot of rebooting and a lot of work before 2024's election. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, and and so really what you're highlighting is in, in a lot of ways for people that look deeply at this, that the, you know, sort of the fox is in the hen house and, and all of these processes, the ones that are not uh, scrutinized uh, and, and rarely are in federal elections. I mean, I, there's, there's many, many years, decades, you know, where where we have not done any kind of audits of federal elections, and uh, and so the, like I say, the fox is in the hen house because although we have the responsibility to exercise our vote, once we've done that and it goes into the system, then you know what's inside the system that is supposed to make it a fair outcome, right? And what's inside the system is the fox, right? And the fox that's inside the system are layers and layers and layers. Of of government bureaucrats, good people. I mean, I'm not going to sit stand here and tell 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 you that they're bad people. They're they're good people, but they they have not been. You know, it's kind of like like exercising, right? In order to stay healthy, you have got to exercise your body. You got to exercise your mind. You got to read. You got to work out. You got to eat right. You got to do all these things. Well, we have a, a very atrophied, uh, particularly federal election system, and that system has been. You know, I mean, decades and decades of not being exercised, and I don't mean exercised in terms of us going out to vote, but exercised in terms of checking out exactly what you just said, which we have to go in. That's what an auditor does. You know this. I mean, you're you're a master. Yeah. When you go in and you look at the, uh, you audit something, you're going to audit something to say, okay, you've got four things you have four processes that you do here that are all exactly the same you're wasting money here you're wasting money this one thing that you're doing this is this is does it all you don't need these other three okay so that makes a lot of sense and i can save some amount of money as a business well the same thing can be said about government processes believe me having having uh, been you know the leader of a large 
uh, agency, a large government agency, that's one of the things that I did. And, and, they, and of course, they freaked out. But in our election system, we can look at all of these processes. And all we're doing is we're, we're exercising our, our, you know, our, our, frankly, our responsibility as, as a citizenry and as a, as a government to make sure that that election system is as healthy as it can possibly be, that it's not, you know, running at a, at a very lethargic rate of speed, right? And we are right now, and it's, and it's something that we have allowed to do. And frankly, because we now, because, you know, it's interesting, when you look at the history of election integrity or election challenges, I'll, I'll call them election challenges over, over the last, let's say, 30 years or so, particularly at local and state level. And we've seen a lot in the last few years where elections have been overturned because of the outcome. You know, there was a, the, the one recently in Georgia not too long ago where, you know, they found that, you know, the votes, you know, were screwed up. So, but we haven't done a, a whole look in terms of our, of our federal government. And the 2020 election, where now we're looking at the presidency of the United States of America, where it really did matter. And it does matter because we see the results of of not having the right person in office, right? We have Biden in office versus Trump in office, and we see our country is essentially being destroyed. And I, I feel like it's being destroyed. So it's it's raised the the uh, you know it's raised this issue to a place now a crescendo uh, where now the American people are like, oh my God, this is our, our system's broken. Well, it's probably been lethargic and apathetic for many, many years, Joe, and because we've never really done the, the right auditing right. of this system. And governors actually have a responsibility to do that. And that's why I, I don't go back to the federal government because the federal government is an institution. And you know, it's what, what are you gonna, you're gonna have? You're gonna say the government must. No, governors who are real people, you know, they can step in and they can say, one of the things on my watch, I'm going to do a full, audit of all of our systems that we have here in my state so I can make sure that the people of my state feel confident when they go to vote, it's one vote, one person, one vote, and it counts. That's that, yeah. you know, I wish, I wish governors would do that. I wish governors, people that are running for government or, or U.S. governor around the country, I wish they would run on that platform because people don't have any confidence in our election system right now. And that's a that's real right. shame. Well, and, and it's, a sh yeah, it is a shame. And there's evidence for that as well. You know, you mentioned something earlier, uh, General, uh, just about the state of the nation right now. And I, I was thinking about this, this hit me hard, maybe a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, I'm like, you know, you anybody that I know that has stood up that has said, hey, things aren't right here, there's something mm -hmm. wrong. They get they get not just attacked and criticized in the media, they and and just, you know, just just you know slandered but they right. get attacked in the courts they get it they you know and and i'm talking about you i'm talking about yeah. president trump roger stone my brother jim myself anybody that stands up and does the right thing and says hey is getting attacked and for me as i looked around and i started saying oh, all these people that i know they've all been attacked they've lost their jobs they've you know various activities that we it's not the normal politics that we had 10 years ago no. or 20 uh -huh. years ago where you argued over issues it's now become a tactic that i i equate to the you know fascist or or, or nazi type of yeah, we crush you if you say in or communist. It's like China's running the show. 
we will crush you if you stand up and say anything about our regime and the crimes that we're committing. And it's yeah. it's so this election. Well, so is let, so me talk, let me give, let me give you yeah. a little bit of historical in your audience, a little bit of historical perspective. And I do think that people ought to go back and there's some there's some really short reads on the Bolshevik Revolution of the you know essentially post World War One. So you know a little bit more than 100 years ago now, and and in the 1920s. One of the things that the Bolshevik Revolution uh, uh, really um, coined, you know, the idea is what's called demonization. Demon demonize your adversary, demonize your enemies. Okay, so and they did they did a masterful job of that. And this 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 is you know again people can go back and study this. So it's not just Mike Flynn, you know, making this up. But the demonization of one's enemy is a Marxist tactic. And it goes back to the really to the it, it's written about actually uh, by by uh, by many authors that uh, come out of the school of Marx, right? And many of these socialist uh, authors, and it was picked up as a tactic by uh, the Bolshevik uh, during the you know the time of the Bolshevik Revolution. And basically, what they did was they would you know they would go after different leaders in different countries, countries like at, at the at the time Poland, Hungary. Actually, they would even come here uh, to uh, to the United States. A guy by the name of Trotsky uh, stood up the Communist Party of America in the uh, in that period of time, and then Stalin saw him as a threat and ended up uh, you know killing him. But uh, this this idea of demonization and it and I mean it is relentless. It is relentless. Now, one of the things that they have done is they have added this this idea of lawfare, right? Lawfare. And lawfare is where there are a couple of law firms out there who are well-funded. And what they do is they look for opportunities. And there is a, there is a, a layer of antagonists that, that live and breathe in the world of social media. And they also live and breathe in the world of the sort of the, the regular media, the mainstream media, the, the, you know, the, the print media that still exists today, like a Times or a Post or something like that. So and what they do is they those those activists, those antagonists, they they push, they push and push and push to uh, to get a response out of us. Right. They want a response out of us. They want a response. That's a that's sort of a counterattack. It's a it's an emotional response that they're looking for. And then what they can do is they can then attack viciously using lawfare tactics. So this idea of demonization with the with the uh, inclusion of uh, antagonists that they are being these are antagonists that are being paid for that are online in some cases that certainly the the media uh, antagonists who antagonize you know they antagonize uh, Christians as an example right they antagonize somebody who says I'm a Christian and uh, and I'm a patriot. So therefore, they say I'm a I'm a Christian nationalist, you know, making like demonizing that phrase Christian nationalist as though it's something that is really an ugly thing. I mean, there's going to be uh, a movie coming out about this. You know, there's going to be a, a documentary coming out about this. And I, I posted about this yesterday. Rob Reiner is who is it who is an avowed atheist is the director of the movie you know and but but what it is it's to demonize and and then the the second component of that and it's really a sub component is to divide so you have 
So you demonize uh, uh, an element within our society or elements, plural, and then you begin to divide. You, you begin to cause these rifts, right? So you cause a rift in the, in the conservative community. You cause rifts in the Christian communities, plural. You cause rifts in the, in the, uh, in the mega community, right? You say, well, General Flynn is a, you know, he goes out and does these crazy things. And, and, and so people are like, well, or General Flynn doesn't support Donald Trump. Somebody says that to antagonize, and there's some group of people that then benefit from it or, or believe it. And all that's happening really is this demonization, this, this dividing, and then they, then they wait for a response. And if, there's a, if there is a requisite response that they want, they will then come after you with lawfare. And lawfare, it, they, may not, they may know that they are not going to win a case but they still will file the case and just to put punishment against you because they now know that you got to go get a lawyer. You got to pay the bills. You got to, yeah. I, I now have to go out and establish a, another legal defense fund. I've got to raise money and people go, see, he's a grifter. I mean, there it's really, it's really a savvy, savvy strategy. And if you understand the history of where it came from and you understand how it's being applied against us now, then, you, you know, like in my case, I understand it. So it's kind of like I've always taught uh, as a military officer, you know, know your enemy, know yourself and know the terrain, know the operating environment that you're on. And, you know, and you can win a thousand battles. That's Sun Tzu. So, I, you know, if I understand that, then I understand how to respond to that and where to respond. Right. I choose the terrain in which I'm going to fight on. I don't let them choose the terrain in which I'm going to fight on. And I think that that's something that we all have to, uh, I think that's good counsel. I think that that's something to, for people to understand. And, uh, you know, and frankly, that's why, that's why uh, we, in, in the case of me and my and a partner of mine, we wrote that book on fifth generation warfare, because that, th this, this, this type of warfare that we were in, and it's, and it's defined, it's a, it's a defined type of warfare, you know, and it goes back to first, second, third, fourth, and now there's fifth. And fifth is one where, all of these things that I'm talking about are all applied in in irregular ways, right? In ways that are not, you know, obvious to the to one's eye. They just happen, like psychological operations. Again, the demonization of somebody—that's a psychological operation. The advent of COVID and its imposition on society was: we have to have a major event, a major event, a global event in order to, to, to gain control of certain aspects of society. So what was the event? And they've been talking about this for decades, okay? What was the event? It was a, it was a health event, right? And it surrounded something that we now know, you know, it was nothing more than, than a, a bad flu, uh, but, the, but the, um, you know, the, the outcome or one of the consequences yeah. was everybody needed to be vaccinated. Everybody needed to be yeah. identified because yeah. that's what they want to do. They want to identify us with the vaccination. And that's and that's the thing where it's like if you didn't get the vaccination and, and uh, you know, if you did, fine. Those are decisions that human beings make. But if you didn't, it's like you're going to be divided over in this camp. And, and eventually we might come after you and arrest you because mm -hmm. on some global identification card that the World Health Organization decides to have and this administration our current administration says yep we're going to follow that you 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 know you get checked at the at the gas pump and they go well you're not vaccinated you don't get any gaps i mean maybe that's crazy talk but i just i mean these are the yeah. kinds of things that we're we're up against 
Yeah, and they mentioned that again over the uh, past week or so at the at the um, World Economic Forum. They brought that up. The same thing about, yeah. boy, we're going to have to get cards so people get uh, vaccinated and we can stay on top of them. And I, I just want to say something. I wrote a piece back in March 2020 where I looked at the numbers that Ted Russ was pushing, and he was saying 3.4% were all going to die. And a guy in Hong Kong, me, looked at these, and in 15 minutes I could see these commingled numbers. It's not that's not the that's not what the data is showing. It's showing that it's more like a flu. I wrote that and I got hit hard by Media Matters. And yeah. they the next day they had to attack me and destroy that narrative because they needed that in order to instill yeah. fear, in order to move forward with their whole project. And those are the things that they attacked it really hard when you look back at the media during that time. Anything that was going to say that this thing is not as bad as they are saying, well, boy, they did crush you. And uh you know, anyways, that's their tactic. It seems like, let me ask you, uh, you know, a couple other questions real quick. We've got about whatever, seven minutes left. One is uh, the southern border and world as a as a whole. How close are we to like a World War Three right now? Where would you say we're at? Yeah, I actually think that we're in World War Three. I, I believe that there's a, you know, there are a couple of major regional conflicts going on, one in Eastern Europe, one in the Middle East. The one in the Middle East is really, really expanding rapidly. Uh, we have our, our uh, basically a, a war zone down along our southern border and an invasion of our nation. And the invasion goes all the way up to the highest northern, northernmost points of Maine and uh, Washington State and into, you know, North Dakota, Montana. I mean, so it's, it's all over the country, the rising crime and all this, all the problems that come with that. Uh, we have a very great deal of tension out in the, uh, in the Pacific with China right now and the Chinese, uh, you know, with, with the recent uh, uh, elections of the uh, Democratic Party out in uh, Taiwan. Uh, the, the, I think that that uh, Xi has some decisions that he's going to need to make. And I think he he does fear that if a Donald Trump comes back into office, that um, that he may not be able to make those decisions then. So my guess is they're contemplating decisions whether they make them or not, I don't know, but but they're contemplating decisions about Taiwan while Joe Biden is the president. And when you look at two other components, Joe, this is why I say we're kind of in a World War III right now. Health, we've already talked a little bit about this, and, and the economy. We are going to shift to a, a central bank digital currency here uh, uh, economically in the very, very near future. And we are already seeing the imposition of new health requirements that are being dictated from this globalist community. I mean, again, you know, please, please, audience, go back and listen to just some of the panels and some of the speakers of the World Economic Forum's uh, 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 conference last week, where and they post them online, so they're just they're telling us to our face this is what they're planning on doing. So, so those are all the those are the conditions that I can see globally that have us in a place right now where our country is in a war. That's a global that has global ramifications and and global consequences and and outcomes and we are not uh, our stance like a football player who's ready to, to to charge forward across the line. Our stance is very weak right now. It's not. It's our it's our overextension of our military. We have a diplomatic core. I think that is that is not well led around the world. We have uh, an economy that is really on the rocks, and you know this better than I do. I mean, you're. You know, you're a, a master at, at, at economics, but so we have an economy that's not strong and we have a federal set of leaders that uh, appear to be 
you know, thinking that we are still sort of politics as usual and we'll get through, we'll muddle our way through this. When the when the Speaker of the House changed out uh, to Mike, to Speaker Johnson, I thought he was going to immediately take action on our southern border. Instead, he he basically pushes to support the border of Ukraine. I mean, and now we're again, we're we have very, very little time left. So I want people to understand and I'll finish with this. There are ideologies that compete against our ideology here as Americans, and those ideologies want to uh, dominate the world. They want their ideology to be the dominant ideology. And this is really communism. So we, we're up against that right now. And they are doing everything that they can to achieve that uh, victory. And what we have to do is we have to have the right leadership and the right ideas in our government to be able to use and leverage the strength of this country, the innovation strength, the manufacturing prowess, the, the, you know, the, 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 the strength of the idea of freedom to be able to fight back. And uh, we're not doing that right now. No, no. Speaking of, uh, about leadership, uh, today we have another uh, vote. It's the first vote, I guess, first primary of the 2024 year. And it's yep. in New Hampshire. President Trump's expected to win, I believe. I don't think Nikki Haley personally has a chance, but she's got a lot of money behind her and a lot of elites. Um, the other point to that, in addition to that, that I just want to, you know, ask or raise here, there was, you know, I, I read some news yesterday, people are throwing your name around as a potential VP, should President Trump make it through the process and become the nominee. What are your thoughts on that? Well, like I said the other night, when I was asked that question by a, a, a lovely young lady, she asked me that question. I told her, I took her back to 2016. Uh, when when Trump was uh, candidate Trump in 2016, the summer when when, when I was uh, considered, it is an honor uh, to even be considered. It is uh, an honor to even have that question asked of me. Um, I I will tell you because I have been in that position where a, a a duly elected president asks you to help, and you know it's a hard question to say no to. And the way I feel about our country is if there is a capacity where a, a President Trump feels that I can help him uh, and I can help this country, then again, that's a that's a, a decision I'll make when I when I get asked that question. I, I will tell you that that um, I uh, I know that uh, if we if we do win and I do believe we, we will win in, in uh, November and everybody's afraid of that, that I know that I uh, will likely be asked to do something. Now, prior to that, you know, being asked about VP, I mean, there's a lot of great people out there. And, I, and I'm just honored that I'm in, even in that discussion. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And isn't this the American miracle as well? People, uh, you know, like you that have been a hero, that have been then crushed by a deep state, that you can yeah. be even mentioned for VP. That says so much about this great country. It does. And, uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It shows that yeah. it shows that if you are if you know, if you believe and you stand up and you fight for, you know, the goodness of America, that Americans will re, will, you know, they'll they will respond. And uh, and that's why I'm thankful for the response that I've received from millions and millions of Americans around the country. And I'm grateful. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here and, and able to talk to you today. Thank you so much, General. It's an honor to have you. And uh, maybe maybe vice president here in the future. We're we keep our fingers crossed. God bless you. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thank you. God Thanks bless. See ya.